Hello, everybody, and welcome back to It's On The List. I'm your co-host, Jerry Hartman. And I'm your co-host, Sammy Holty. And we are back with a very special episode today, one that's been long, long in the making. Uh, In anticipation of his latest release, Killers of the Flower Moon, we are dropping our top five films by Mr. Martin Scorsese. Oh, ow! Who really needs no introduction. He's arguably the most famous living American filmmaker. Yeah, right now, for sure. Spielberg, Nolan, Scorsese. I mean, those are probably the three most popular. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll just immediately jump into our personal relationships to Mr. Scorsese's work. So starting with you, Sammy, you, uh, you a longtime fan? Was, was he big for you? Is he big for you? What's, what's the deal? Um, yeah, so I kind of grew up just like, I don't know, not fully invested in him. Like mm-hmm. I would, I had seen Wolf of Wall Street. I had seen, right. uh, you know, Taxi Driver as it came out. Kind of the film classics. Yeah, I've seen, yeah. I, I saw all the classics, but I never really dove deep into like his full filmography at really any point other than for this podcast. <clears throat> I mean, I had accumulated, I think like, I, I had watched like 11 of his films before Uh I did this like deeper dive as of like the last three weeks or so. Um, So I would say that I was a fan of his movies, but I was never like hard pressed to, I don't know, check out all of his films. I feel like I got into like way into film at a point in my life where not that he's like intro, intro level because he's like, he makes amazing films. Right. Right. He's an amazing filmmaker. A hundred percent. His stuff is accessible though. Yeah. Super accessible. So I feel like I almost just like skipped that kind of right segment of my cinephilia path i suppose whereas when i was like 11 it was like all right time to get into the seeds exactly yeah. exactly so i've always had love for him but maybe not just like direct like oh yeah i love marty i love marty but over the last couple of years you know just like the way you know he's he's voiced his opinions and in, in the sphere and kind of right. just been a a guiding light for restoring films and mm-hmm. i don't know just like his I just adore anyone that has passion for cinema. So mm-hmm. he's he's uh, you know been a it's one of the most passionate. Yeah, he's yeah. one of the goats. So um, now I have a stronger relationship post this, and I've actually learned quite a few things that we'll we'll share as that we go along the pod. But how about yourself? Yeah, I mean, perhaps my my longest lasting relationship with any filmmaker ever. I got into his stuff when I was quite young. I saw. I don't remember what my first one was. It was probably Goodfellas, but. Sure. We're talking like like nine or ten. Yeah, I was really into Goodfellas, which led me to Casino and all of his other ones. I've seen all of his narrative feature films, uh, but before recording this pod, I'd seen twenty four of the twenty five. Okay, and then I saw Alice doesn't live here anymore, which was the last one I needed to see. I've now seen all of them. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's it feels weird to even talk about because it's so obvious. Yeah, he, he rightfully is like one of the most acclaimed filmmakers ever. It's Absolutely, like, I hardly even have anything original to say, but I mean. He certainly is, as he's been talked about often, like one of the great chroniclers of like crime and masculinity. But I, I also my list, my top five here doesn't really do justice to like the variety of his filmography. Sure. It'll be apparent as we go through them that I like a certain type yeah. of Martin Scorsese <laughs> yeah. movie. You know, I, I am who I am. But, you know, he, he's done period chamber romances like the Age of Innocence type stuff, mm-hmm. you know, psychological thrillers, religious films, you know, After Hours is like a Kafkaesque comedy yeah. thing. And, you know, and of course the crime sagas, but he, he really can do it all. And, you know, the propulsion of his films is unmatched. There's so many. We'll get into all of this. But, you know, the needle drops the editing by yeah. Thelma Schoonmaker. Yeah. And I, I think that's where this really filled in on 
like a lot of gaps I had just about him as a filmmaker. Uh, mm-hmm. This this last is just seeing how versatile he is in genre. Like right. I had just a, again a pre-existing idea of like his kind of shtick for the most part. You know, whip pans mob movies. Exactly, like, yeah. exactly. Um, and I feel like I just it opened like a, a whole new thinking of of the man himself. So I'm I'm excited to get into it. But, right, uh, and that clearly comes like you said from him just being this like great champion of cinema. It's like he has his world cinema restoration project. Like he's yeah. restored hundreds of films from all around the world. He produces stuff by contemporary filmmakers like Joanna Hogg's films. He's yeah, al- he's always shouting out young filmmakers. Whether Absolutely. that's like Ari Aster or any of you know. The, yeah, sometimes I feel guys. like maybe it's misguided to a certain degree <laughs> at times, but I still, but like I can't complain about. It. And it, it's it's like maybe it's coming from a place of relativity where he's like, okay, like Bo's afraid was not Marvel bullshit. No, like, yeah, absolutely, and it's something know. different. And like, actually, I'll, I'll make a comparison if if we remember. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a film on my list that we'll talk about that like maybe uh, has some of this ideology about why he would be promoting stuff like this. Sure, okay. Um, I mean, but most of the stuff he's promoting is, is fairly good, or at least right. just not you know stuff that's going to perpetuate the, the the garbage consumption stuff that is what he thinks of as cinema. Yes, and yeah, I mean, and, and beyond that, he's made tons of documentaries. He's made a lot of music documentaries, but also like four hour ones on like Italian cinema and American cinema. Have, have you watched many of his uh, docs? I've seen the Italian one that's like the really long Italian cinema one which is fantastic it's very like it gives a comprehensive history kind of starting in like 40s like Rossellini's neorealism Vittorio De Sica type stuff but um I haven't seen his American one but his Italian one was a really nice mix of like just straight history and then his own like anecdotal stories where he's like yeah my family and I in our small New York apartment would like watch this on TV and it's it's a really nice blend of that so yeah I mean he's he's incredibly lovable and his you know, beyond everything I've been saying, like if if all he'd given us were his films alone, that would be more than enough. Yes, and he he just is, keeps he's the, he's the gift that keeps on giving. He really is. He really is. Um, so, quick caveat on my end is I have not seen everything, and some stuff has been uh, a, a few years since I've watched. Sure. So, just the list that I have not seen is Gangs of New York. Uh, I didn't watch uh, Kundun. I didn't watch Who's Knocking at My Door. Uh, Boxcar Bertha. You didn't watch Boxcar Bertha, bro? Or Bertha, that's what it is. I'm reading off the fucking <laughs> tiny print. And New York, New York. So those are my, those are the ones that I've not even seen yet. But um, so I mean, keep that in mind in case your favorite's on there. It yeah. probably would be. You all, know, all the Kundun heads are gonna be pissed at <laughs> <Yeah>. you, dude. <laughs> um, and then structure-wise for this, we're gonna do a quick prediction of each other's top fives. Yeah, well, we know each other. Uh, jump into our top fives, and then. Uh, we will finish with honorable mentions that would have been, you know, close, very, very close to get on the list because got I a lot myself, of good movies. Yeah, have have quite a few that were contending for the number five spot. As do I. Um, so let's let's get into it. Do you want to start with your predictions? Yeah, this is what I'm thinking for you okay. now. And obviously, no need to confirm or deny yeah, of this. Of course, of course. Going into this, I am I am 99.9% sure that the two films we will certainly share are Silence and The Irishman. We we are you know well known late style heads on this yep, podcast. This Those are his last two features. So you know just watch just by the rule of by the rule late of late style. style. According to <laughs> Colin Brinkman, shout out my boy. Shout out. Basically, the last thing that comes out's got to be the best. It's right? got to be the best. We'll see yeah, how we'll that see plays it, out yeah. in our list. But my prediction for your list, starting at five, I'm thinking you're doing After Hours, Mean Streets, The Departed, Silence, The Irishman. That's my guess for you. Okay, and mine is. Number five, Casino. Four, Wolf of Wall Street, which is kind of out of, like, I feel like it might not be there, but mm-hmm. I, but I don't know. I Yeah. Anyways, three, Silence, two, Goodfellas, and one, Irishman. All righty. That's my, that's my take. So we'll see. 
We'll see how we do here. See how it goes. Well, who wants to start off here? Um, I'll just start because you're off to... I started with After Hours. Knew it. Um, Knew yeah. it. After Hours was the first time I'd ever seen the film. And basically, I mean... This is such a funny thought because we just brought him up, but this is like what what Bo is afraid wanted to be. Yep, like this I knew is that's everything. Where you were going. Yeah, Bo is afraid wanted to be like even down to the end of the film where he's like coddling the breasts of a, an older woman, basically like crying <laughs> right. that he just couldn't get any pussy at the end of the night. Yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's a surreal like like exhausting adventure that's about like male insecurity yeah. and all these things. Um, but I found it to be probably like the bleakest in terms of comedy like like darkest yeah, comedy for sure dark. like some of it is like oh my god i felt like guilty for laughing at some of the stuff that i was laughing at i, I don't even know mm -hmm. if i want to fully admit the scenes <laughs> that had me rolling or not but i just found it to be like one a lot more reserved i guess in a lot of ways like what new york city itself as like a set piece like it's just so much more toned down as like a time capsule back then. It's not mm -hmm. like bustling and hustling and like uh, Las Vegas-esque with, you know, the lights and whatnot. Sure. Um, a lot of empty nighttime streets. Exactly. Yeah. And and everything was just, I don't know, it was just a pared down Marty that I felt like I hadn't seen that side of yet. It's also like 90 minutes or yeah, something. Yeah, super quick. Yeah. It's like one of his quickest. So it just felt like a complete shift in like most of the form i mean the thing moved like the thing oh, yeah. moved non-stop and still had classic like you know um crazy dolly shots and yeah yeah lots of movement yes a lot of movement i mean the whole film was basically movement moves at a clip yeah. um but that's my number five what what do you think about the film oh i, I love it. it 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 isn't on my list but you know there are a lot of great movies that i love that are not on this list yeah. so it doesn't really mean anything yeah i think it's great i, I always really liked it and this rewatch i liked it the most that i've ever liked mm -hmm. it Totally agree with everything you said. I, I will say, and this isn't a complaint or anything, but I, I only found it, like, a little funny. I think it's interesting to see, and I don't want to talk about one that's coming up on my list that I found hilarious. Sure. That some people don't find that funny. But I think it's it's interesting to see which ones people find funny and which don't. Because I do totally think that most of Scorsese's movies are, like, quite funny. Which I didn't actually realize uh -huh. until this go-around. I never thought Dude, of right? Scorsese as, like, a funny person. But almost every film that I watched had something in it that I thought was funny. Totally. Like, even we actually just rewatched Silence. There was, like, two scenes in Silence <laughs> yeah. where, like, I actually chuckled a little bit. No, there's some, there's some shtick with the Inquisitor that's, yes, like, pretty dude. fucking funny. Yes, dude. When he does the deep exhale and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just shrinks. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting lower and lower. So good. So funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, because there's stuff he's made, like, The Wolf of Wall Street that's very clearly in-your-face funny, where yes. it's, like, there are punchlines and setups and jokes, and they're improving and it's hilarious. Yeah. But pretty much in, like, most of his movies, there's a lot of funny stuff to be found. I mean, I certainly found After Hours pretty funny, but I mostly just found it sad. And no, I mean, it it's, like, it's, like, such a pathetic movie. That's I mean, he's thing. such a pathetic guy. Griffin, or Griffin, Griff, Griffin, Griffin Dunn. Dunn, yeah. Dunn, 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 whatever his name is. Yeah, um, him. But he was awesome. He's he was, amazing. He, he was so fucking good and just like convincing as just like the the not unintelligent, but not as intelligent as he thinks he is. Right, Real right. Real class. He's not too pathetic. No, yeah. Which I think is something that a lot of imitators of Scorsese get wrong. Like something, I don't, I don't even hate this movie, but something like Joker that's very much doing Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. It's yeah. like. In King of Comedy, he's not, like, the worst comedian ever. Oh, no, like, his jokes at the end of King of Comedy are funny. They're pretty funny. They're pretty funny. He's just not quite great. Yes. And there's obviously a lot of other stuff that... Oh, I mean, there's, yeah. There's baggage. A boring, 
terrible, right. <laughs> horrible things. But I feel like people sometimes overreact to how, like, psycho these characters are. It's like, they all, if you saw them on the street, you wouldn't think anything of them. Sure. They exist in normal society. And I, and I like the progression, though, of, like, you know, he meets this really cute girl mm-hmm. at a cafe who admires the book he's reading. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, okay, she's cute and she likes the book I'm reading. Like, yeah. she's got substance, you know? Totally. Like, she's interesting. But then she wants to meet up, so mm-hmm. he's excited. It's like, nothing's, like, gone awry. Like, he hasn't done anything. Again, there's there's no, like, ill, again, we get into, like, the masculinity and, uh, right. you know, all that stuff later on. But I think it's, like, a, a very nice progression of he gets up there and, you know, at first, obviously, he wants to have sex. That's right. the implication. Um and then her immediately spilling about her her boyfriend right. and these sorts of things. And it's just the descent from politeness to get pussy right. to, like, just being, like, a complete asshole. Because yeah. you know now that it's not going to happen, nor do you want it to happen because of the events that have led to it. Exactly, yeah. And, like, I just thought it was just, I don't know. <clears throat> um, I don't want to, like, I just know guys like that. For sure. Like, I've heard of millions and millions of stories. Oh, my God, of course. You know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a classic thing, and I think the, the way the movie presents it, like you said, is, like, very organic and real while still dipping into these, like, surrealisms within it. Like, the way that by the end of it, like, everyone's, like, running after him. Oh, my God, yeah. And, like, his face is plastered all over. He's ripping all these signs down. Well, that's the thing is, like, he just, first he wants to try out the nightlife in a seedier part of town that he's not <laughs> used to and, and is scared of becoming, like, a, a basically a, a, I don't know, a, a night dweller right. uh, or someone of lower class. And yeah, exactly. His worst dreams come to reality when he's, like, literally, like you said, getting mob chased by everyone around. Yeah. And it's such, like, a fun cast, like, totally. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know, when you... Like Rosanna Arquette and um oh my god Terry Gar yeah, yeah 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 totally and the bartender was amazing as just like the night the nice guy so good and I don't so know good. again it's just one of those things where everything goes wrong and you kind of get the shtick but like it's still funny every time like the fact yeah. that she dies is like it's like it's just like oh my <laughs> fucking god that's so funny gets picked up by the gay dude and the gay dudes or like well. <laughs> right. Gay curious. He was like, it was yeah. his first time with a man, and then right, he's just right. spilling his guts. After this whole night where he tried and failed to get pussy, yes, like yes. it's it's very like like cosmically karmically funny. Yeah, in that super funny. Um, I, I love the bit where he sees that the subway fare went up, and he's like. Can you just help me out? And he's like, can't do that. I could lose my job. And he's like, well, who would like know? And he goes, I could go to a party, get drunk, <laughs> yeah. say something. Who knows? <laughs> that shit killed me. That part's amazing. It killed me. Yeah. And I feel like it's just like really just not in your face humor. Whereas like mm-hmm. something like Wolf of Wall Street, um, it, it, it's just so Partying. much more in your face about it. You know, For like sure. the jokes are like way more egregious and yeah. like more like laugh with them. Not like laugh at them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that one rides a line between. No, I mean, there's that. certainly funny moments. I'm not denying yeah. that, but I feel like for my own personal tastes, like After Hours has comedy that like resonates with me more. Sure, and I mean, Wolf of Wall Street is very much a movie about excess. And, yes, and After absolutely. Hours is more like subdued than that. Yeah, absolutely for sure. So, yeah, it's my number five. I don't have much else to say about it, but yeah, you know, great movie. Yeah, great movie. movie. Uh, we'll go on to my number five, which I believe you predicted this correctly, is Casino. Let's fucking go. The boys yeah, The boys are off to a good start. We're on it so far. We are on it. Yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. Uh, this movie often gets talked about as, like, lesser Goodfellas, which is fucking really stupid. Sure. I mean, it, people just say that because it's about crime and it has De Niro and Pesci in yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Other than that, 
it's like very different wildly different yeah Yeah. The, the flow of it is quite different this is and maybe we can save our thoughts on the movie i'm about to bring up because we did a top five for this director as well christopher nolan but this was a movie i thought a lot about when we saw oppenheimer just because of the editing of oh it yeah and it's the construction fucking insane. of it three hour montage movies yeah i mean it's kind of my kind of my bread and butter it but is yeah. it absolutely is this, this one is very like historical more so than a lot of his other movies like this one is very much about u.s government history in its own way sure. it's kind of the, the corporate takeover of gangsterdom and like the way that the corporate sphere like absorbed the mafia and how corporations became like the new mafia, sure. which I just find like fascinating, super fascinating, R- regardless and, like, really of scary, <laughs> yeah, and terrifying and like and operatic and but it, it also you know it also has melodrama and the personal stuff, sure, There's absolutely, friendship, romance, all that, all that kind of stuff that you expect from it, but just the the collage nature of it and like the weaving of the interpersonal, the historical. And, and maybe my favorite opening scene out of any Scorsese oh, film. So I mean, oh my God. Good. I was, cause I had just watched it for the first time. This is my first watch. Right, and right. I just, I, I had texted Jerry immediately yeah. after I saw it that just like this opening and the credits. Yeah, like, fired. De Niro walking out, you have the voiceover. Like they say, when you love someone, you got to give them everything. Yeah, Other dude. Trust. Gets in his car, starts Boom. it. Car explodes, opening yeah, credits. Dude's flying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I it's mean. It's so beautiful. Yeah, super awesome movie. Like, and so much of it is about, and uh, this happens with a lot of Scorsese movies. One thing that is like reoccurring with him that I love is that so often, especially in the movies that are like guided by voiceovers, they'll go into these like five minute digressions about random things. No, absolutely. Like, not even random things, but this one is so much about like the casino process, like cash flow and yeah. like procedures on the floor. Like, the floor guys are watching the dealers, the dealers are watching, the, and you know, we're whipping. Yeah, and you're getting everyone. the whip hands. The eye in the sky sees us all. Like, so he's guiding us through like a visual layout as well as the actual like procedures of the institution yeah, how it works and like that gives you a better watching experience because you're like totally like looking out for yeah you're like yeah, you're yeah. like scheming yourself as like exactly. what's going to happen to these individual people it puts you in the headspace so perfectly yeah and i feel like also i gained more way more appreciation for de niro i mean i've always thought he's amazing yeah. i've always thought that but like He's just so good at everything he does. It's yeah, insane. Man. Just being like the pristine, like plastic gloves on the fucking fingers. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is how it goes. Like, basically, he's just like a fucking OCD freak in the movie. Right. Yep. Um, and he's so known. And, and I get why, of course. He's so known for playing like tough guys and cool yeah. guys and stuff like that. But he is just as good at playing like fucking weirdos. Yeah. Just a fucking plain weirdo. Weirdos. Or someone who doesn't say anything. Right. Yeah. You know, that like just or, fucking gesture based. Yeah. And he's also amazing. You know, no spoilers on if this film will show up on our list, if either of these will. But De Niro and Scorsese together are the kings of like cringe phone calls. Oh my god! Between Taxi Driver and The Irishman, oh there's the god. scene in The Irishman where he calls yeah. off his wife. That is like the most painful thing yeah. ever. And then yeah. you know Taxi Driver after the porno date, where literally he's on the phone and the camera <laughs> just moves to the hall because it's like too painful. So yeah, I so, so agree good. that De Niro is incredibly versatile. And you know his character in this is like it's nothing like his Goodfellas character because oh. his Goodfellas character is fucking cool. Yeah. Super cool. And this this movie also, this is maybe, like, the most gruesome Scorsese movie. I was going to say that. Dude, the dude, head in the vice. Bro. That shit that, is That, the brutal. eye popping out. Like, even just fucking Pesci getting clapped with his yeah. brother at the end is, yeah. like, gnarly. Horrifying. Yeah, gnarly. beaten to death with bats like, and I, naked. I fucking hated Pesci in that movie. Right, Like, right. honestly, like, this is, like, the one movie where I was, like, almost, like, irredeemable. Like, just did not <laughs> yeah. like him at all. Like, <laughs> like cause in, like, Goodfellas, he's, like, still, like, an annoying fucking bashful, like, of course, you know, yeah. idiot. Yeah, yeah. But in this, it's just, like, 
you're the I mean like not that it's like you want De Niro to like succeed and you want the casinos to succeed but you but respect like, that he's more reasonable exactly like, exactly um because he's still a piece of shit you know like of course, at the end yeah, of the day they all are um, they all are but like there's just oh my god Pesci in this movie it's just like <laughs> from from like ruining like obviously just ruining everything by coming out to Vegas in the first place to right. then like trying to take advantage of the casinos to then not abiding by any of the rules of the casinos then trying to take over Las Vegas and then, then taking, taking over his girl Ginger, yep. like oh my like, dude, that was also one of the most cringe scenes I think I'd ever, uh, like, yeah, yeah. So much cringe cinema from Scorsese. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. He's, he's underrated all, in yeah, that regard. I, 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 again, there's just so many, like, new ways of seeing this man now. But yeah. that was one of the cringiest. Like, outside of, like, King of Comedy just being, like, maybe the cringiest move of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. that scene, I had to pause it. And I was like, dude, no. <laughs> like, fuck, no, yeah. please. Sharon Stone also is incredible oh, in this amazing. movie. So good. Amazing. So good. Uh, is that oh and then the other main thing I should mention is is that this movie is totally analogous to just like Scorsese's whole movie Brad Generation in Hollywood. Yeah, I read your review and I I didn't even like like actually think about that until I read you and I was like, oh my god, that's so fucking true. It, dude. it didn't occur to me until this watch. Just I forgot what line it was, but there was a line in particular that was like, yeah, like we we really thought we were like running this town, and then turns out we were always just guests. And I was like, oh fuck, dude. it's about him and De Palma. Yeah, and all these dude, all the boys who, who just and, getting kicked out by fucking right I don't by, even by, know by the studios, yeah. by the suits. And I mean, it, Scorsese nowadays has talked a lot about. About. obviously he's still making movies at high budgets but now he's doing it with apple he's doing it with netflix he's yeah. not doing it with warner brothers anymore yeah. like he was back in the day and he said like about the irishman when it came out he was like yeah like i did it with netflix because literally no one else would fund this yeah a movie with like pacino de niro pesci scorsese a mob movie it's just so fucking insane it's a different it's world so insane it's a different world we're in so I, I very much see casino as being about that as well but yeah um excellent movie editing masterpiece uh, enough cannot be said about thelma schoonmaker and her editing which is just fucking god tier agreed rightfully regarded. and that ending that ending is so oh my chilling, god yeah dude. i mean you already yeah. quoted it like what they say about mm-hmm. just you know but but cutting back to like seeing Disneyland, you know, it's just dude, like yeah. oh my fucking yeah. god, it's a dude. fucking corporate nightmare. Yeah. Like, it, and it, that was in 1995. So imagine how much worse it is now. Yeah. Like, absolutely, it's, yeah, great movies. So that's my number five. Nice. All right. Well, jumping to my number four. And speaking about like honestly, what I'll call radical editing, uh-huh. The Departed. Fuck yeah, the uh, fucking Departed. Yeah, I mean, and and another like shocking thing is the first time I've ever seen that. This was just a few days ago Dude, as well. Because I will say the my two favorite Scorseses when I was like eleven were Goodfellas and The Departed. Dude, well, I'm glad I'm. I'm you know, making young Jerry proud. You are, you being are. Being a 20, 25 year old. <laughs> Which go. isn't to say that I still don't no, love sure. them. I, I still adore both of those sure. movies. But. Yeah, no, I thought The Departed was just like, honestly, just like a special treat in the sense that like, there's no studio movie that will ever be made like this Dude, ever again. Fuck no. Ever it's, again. It's, the editing is straight up Godardian. Like. Dude, it's fucking insane. And and like, also, specific, like, the, the use of music here is just. <laughs> Like, so fucking wild. What's the uh, uh, shipping up to Boston? Yeah, that, I'm shipping up that to Boston. Give Me Shelter, they play, what, like, three times dude, each? Dude, like, literally. <laughs> literally. And, and, it, and, like, and it cuts and like, off so abruptly. It, it, dude, every, like, every, every song just cuts. It cuts in and cuts out at a time where you're just like, wait, what? Like, why? And then, it like, there's a bit... The first 20 minutes are such a fucking crazy collage of everything. Because I rewatched this at, at like, 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Long story, but... um. Like there's there's they're playing shipping up to Boston and then it cuts as Leo like knocks on the door of like his cousin or whatever and then 
like 10 minutes later when he's finally in prison the song comes back and then the title drops like 20 minutes into Dude, the movie it's crazy it's, it's like insane. The, the, the like every scorsese film has like a certain rhythm no matter how like complex yeah. the cross cutting is or whatever parallel editing mm-hmm. but like this is just like the only like non rhythm movie like right. even when things are like kind of predictable it's also like you're you're kind of telling yourself like nah that's not going to happen and then it mm-hmm. does and you're just like oh my fucking god dude like <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just found this one to be like incredibly funny on like, so on like all funny. accounts, probably his most quotable movie. I mean, yeah, there's just dude. so many fucking good lines. Oh, it's so funny. Um, one of my favorites that I feel like doesn't get quoted enough is when, um, Matt Damon, who is hilarious in this dude, movie, when so good. he, he's with Alec Baldwin at like the driving range and Alec Baldwin's like, yeah, ring around your finger, lets you know, somebody likes you, lets you know your cock works <laughs> yeah. and he goes, oh, it's working overtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that was, he's clearly not actually having sex with her yes. like it's so funny yes i fucking okay so that's the thing too is i had no like i just i, I knew nothing about the movie i uh-huh. didn't know any like what it was about other than knowing that like matt damon jack nicholson and leonardo dicaprio are in the movie i knew nothing about it just uh-huh. because of the cover right. and so like to be greeted with such a star-studded cast yeah. all doing over the top like boston <laughs> yeah. accents and then just spewing like the most rancid shit it was <laughs> yeah. like I couldn't not think it was funny. Like, it, oh yeah, like it's it hilarious. is. It is, you know, by today's standards, not some, passing some a lot lines of tests. Wouldn't, I yeah. mean, Matt Damon's introduction <laughs> is like, I'm not going to quote it, but like, fuck you, fucking firefighters. <laughs> yeah, the firefighters, and we yeah. re- 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 revisit it. Like they they double down. Like they cut to a scene of Leo, cut back to Damon, and then he says what he says again about the firefighters, and it's yeah. just like, oh my god. I, I had said this about uh, the Dark Knight Rises to you, but mm-hmm. like, it's just like setting the stage for something that's just going to be so ridiculous so like yeah. if you're going to be along for the ride like if you don't if you're not willing to ride right from minute two you're not going to like the fucking movie but yeah, if you're like on board you will like i don't know i thought it was fucking i mean the, to me basically the perfect studio dad yeah. like amazing bad movie because it's like I immaculately so like constructed on all fronts oh yeah it looks amazing again super radical i think leo genuinely gives like one of his best performances I that agree. i've seen ever he he his like paranoia is so palpable in Dude. the progression of it like i i feel it when i'm watching absolutely it. like also in- i love the scenes with him and vera farmiga like the first one in her office where where, he, where he's he's like i wake up with cold sweats <laughs> every fucking i haven't slept in weeks <laughs> and then she grabs two pills yeah, he was like two pills why don't you give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun to <laughs> blow my fucking head off it's so it's just funny so much good shit and it's genuinely like a good meditation on like death and fatherhood oh yeah it's, and... it's a super catholic movie yeah too. yeah um like there is totally substance to it but it's also just truly deranged and hilarious but it's just buried under yeah a, a bunch of just like you said under deranged, jack crazy. nicholson dude the bit where they're in the porno theater and jack comes out with, with the a dildo. big black cock yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god God. And he's, he's you know, saying shit like, you like little Miss Things sucking on your back? Nicholson in this movie is is so far off the rails. Oh my god. Yeah, he's next level. Like he he's pushing the boundary. Like everyone's pushing the boundary, but Nicholson is like really like Dude, the like, whole bro. scene with him and Leo where he's doing the I smell a rat and he pulls the gun on him. Yep. That was like entirely improvised by Nicholson. Which is not so like Leo looking scared when he's holding the gun at him was like kind of real, real shit. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, dropping like just banger. I I yeah, I just love any banger lines to where there's like, oh, how's your mother? And he's like, Oh, she's on her way out. And he's like, We, we all 
color. Uh, act accordingly. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's sick. And it's bro- awesome. Also, the fucking cell phones throughout the entire movie. Yeah. The yeah. last one, specifically, I don't know if I just like imagined this, but when Damon and, and Leah are basically going to have their face off on the mm-hmm. roof and they like call each other, right. like when they close it, they literally sound like samurai swords being sheathed. And I wouldn't be surprised Dude. if like they added that as that's like That's some shit uh, they do, yeah. yeah, as, yeah. As, a, as, a, as a pioneer in promoting uh, Japanese cinema. Totally, um, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, yeah, this is uh, actually, you know, a shout out to, <laughs> yeah, Kurosawa, Kurosawa Samurai movies yeah. or something. Um, Probably. <clears throat> Who knows? And then again, like the ending, I just wasn't like, ex- I was expecting it, but again, wasn't expecting it. Dude, like, the, the Leo headshot is dude, shocking. He gets brained. I yeah. was like, no fucking that, way. That's also still to this day. It was when I first saw it and it still is. One, one of like the gnarliest blood splatters I've ever seen Dude. in a movie. And, and even when Sheen gets thrown off the roof. Yeah. Like, I was and like, no, I, I literally let out like a, no! Yeah, like, yeah. I, he was the only nice guy. And it's great too because, you know, the music's getting louder, we're ramping up and then just silence and we see his body falling through the air yep. and then splat. Like it's so it's, good. The rhythm of it's so great. So good. And the ending is just like, oh my god. I mean, oh, again, yeah, awesome. piece of resistance to the, or resistance resistance to the trash like you know just yeah. fucking good guy Wahlberg coming out of nowhere and fucking capping shitty Damon and, and then did you the- notice that Damon has the same stuff in his grocery bag that Nicholson gave to him in the first scene when he was a kid the comic book and the bread he has the same stuff in the bag I did not notice that fun little detail there you go and then just fucking the fucking rat dude it's just like oh my <laughs> like, god beyond on the nose to the point that it becomes just like glorious trash yeah exactly like, yeah. exactly this movie is just the most glorious trash. Totally. Um, it's an amazing movie. And I loved every minute. So that's why it's my number four. Fuck yeah. Well, great pick. My number four, which we've mentioned a couple times now, is The King of Comedy. Fuck. That's okay. I will say that at last minute, I put King of Comedy and deleted it and put Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I had King of Comedy on four. You, you were right. Damn. It's, it's King of Comedy at four. Um, as You said this before, and I agree. This is the best cringecore film of all time. Of all time. It's not even close. It's it's like 100 minutes of just sustained cringe the entire time, which I, I get why it isn't everyone's cup of tea necessarily, sure. but as a huge fan of cringecore, I mean, it is it is decidedly my cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, De Niro is, is both hilarious and hard to watch in this. Also, this is the one I was going to say that I, I totally get why a lot of people don't find this that funny. I find this movie fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, yeah. laugh out loud funny. I, I'm, I'm There dying. were scenes that I laughed out loud at, but literally just physical reaction compels me to pause the film. Right. Like, I, I probably paused it like 20 times. No joke. <laughs> Not like with like, you know, I, I didn't like go down and do like make breakfast right, and come right. back up. But, just to but breathe, it was just like, a, like, holy fuck, dude, please, God, like just let up just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, I, th- I think it's a very prescient and insightful movie about fame and celebrity and like parasocial relationships in like an analog age. So yeah. when you watch it today, it's like the ideas are all true, but then you bring your own baggage of like social media and Instagram, yada yada. Well, it's even worse now. Dude. Exactly. I mean, look it's at even fucking worse. like Taylor Swift stands, bro. It's Literally, like the most iconic yeah. shit on the fucking planet. Yeah, exactly. So it's like sorry to all our Swifties out there, but yeah, yeah, hey, yeah, not you, Schrader. You're fine. But <laughs> yeah, the, Schrader, you're the, a good boy. The rest of them, but yeah, I mean, and th- there's the scene where um. Jerry Lewis also is playing the talk show host. Who's in this. amazing? Amazing. He's in this. amazing. Yeah, in this. We, we, we're both big Jerry Lewis fans, and he is fantastic in this. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he's just walking down the street, and everyone's like, "Hey, Jerry," and he's like saying hi to yeah. everyone, getting more and more anxious, and he speeds up yeah. walking. It it rides this great line of like making you feel 
just bad enough for him without being like, oh, look at these poor rich celebrities. No, absolutely. It rides that line so perfectly. And also I love that scene where he starts running because he does a classic Jerry Lewis slapstick run. Despite like the performance being completely serious. Like the only like real serious, serious performance. Still throws in that classic thing. Yeah. And and he does it again at the end too, once he escapes Mm -hmm. from her. So good. So good. So good. Um and, and again, I love too, we mentioned this already, but I love that Rupert he isn't like a terrible comedian. No, that is the the saddest part is that the jokes are He's actually good. quite funny. And he has presence. Like, no, yeah, people people liked him. Yeah. People genuinely liked him. And that's another thing too because people, t- the way people talk about this ending sometimes I think is kind of off. And I, I same with Taxi Driver. Like people with Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy will be like, oh yeah, it must be like a fantasy and he's like in jail or he's dead. And I'm like, I think it all just happened. It all happened. What? I never even thought that for a fucking Yeah, second. isn't that stupid? That's the dumbest. That's like just a because he's like thing. successful? Yeah. But it's like, that's the whole thing is that we like, as a society fucking promote psychotic fucking weirdos t- to stardom. Right. Like that. Like, yeah. And I mean, hey, it's obvious to us. I guess it's not obvious to everybody. But yeah, it's, and, and same with Taxi Driver, the whole thing of like, why would they like celebrate this violent weirdo? It's like, what do you think we do every fucking day? <laughs> like that's, that's what it's all about. That's what the whole movie's about. Oh my God, dude. That is ridiculous. I didn't even know that was like discourse. Right. That's Isn't that so stupid? funny? Oh my M- goodness. More so a taxi driver than the king of comedy, but it's the same thing where it's like, do you think it was like real at the end? I'm like, yeah, uh, yes. of course. That's the whole point of the movie. It yes. brings it home so perfectly. Cause, cause you know, the first time I saw it forever ago, I, I was thinking like, oh, like he's fucked now, I guess. And then it really like, even as a kid, like it, it was so powerful and how I'm like, oh, like, that's actually why he's going to succeed. Yes. Is because of all this fuck shit yes, that he did. Precisely. Yeah, so, I mean, th- this movie is, is I find it so funny the way that, like, each scene goes on way longer than you think it will. Dude. Just because he will not let it go. And again, he does such a good, he also, I, I forgot which uh, letterbox individual I read that said this. It, it very may, may well have been Neil. Uh-huh. Um, so shout out Neil. Uh-huh. But it was like the greatest filmmakers teach you how to watch their films. And yeah, like, he does such yep, a good job yep. of setting the stage for like what is going to be in, involved in the film. And again, if you don't ride with it, you're not going to fuck with it. And like right. that opening scene where like what it's just so overwhelming with Jerry getting to his car. Yep. Rupert cringily like like acting like he's doing him a favor he's and like, hey, everybody slips back in. off yeah. saves him. <laughs> and then yeah. slips in but then the stairs yep. the stairs is the yep. first like really elongated like oh my yeah, like, god palm to your head like yeah. god damn it <laughs> Jer he's like hey, hold on hey, a second hey Jer one more thing Jer <laughs> like he keeps finding ways to prolong the conversation and Jerry Jerry Lewis clearly like feels obligated to like hear him out to some extent but he's, yes. he's just kind of enabling him at the same time it's as funny as i think it is like i am laughing out loud throughout but i'm also going like oh my god like yes. no it's 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 just it's a great movie flawless movie for me so that's my number four king of and comedy. just real quick sandra brenhard uh, is that her name yeah Dude, yeah yeah she yeah. is fantastic like, in this like again it's the intention of her character, but she is truly like disgusting. Yeah, like, yeah, dude. When when they're having dinner together and she's just like <laughs> like trying to be sexy and it's right, just like, right. oh my, like it's I would like, off putting to the point of like hatred. No, seriously, like, the expression on Jerry Lewis's face when he's looking at her—that's like you watching it too. <laughs> literally, yeah, literally. So yeah, beautiful number four. Um, and I don't blame you for putting it. Um, okay, my number three is Mean Streets. Mean Streets. So you were close again. We we had a little flippage there. Because mm-hmm. you said Departed was three, right, for me? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so that was a... You're, you're on a good little guessing streak. But yeah, I was genuinely, like, genuinely blown away. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously it's on my top five, so, like, right. it's the number three spot for a reason. We love all these movies. But, but like, 
I was not expecting to love the movie as much as I did. Like, mm. I actually found it to be, like, super profound. And again, another, like, just facet of watching Scorsese. Right. Because two films in particular, this one and Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, mm -hmm. really reminded me of Cassavetes yep. in a lot yep. of ways. In Very so many 70s ways. American indie, like, to a T. Exactly, exactly. And everything just, I don't know, it, it, it it's... This, to me, was, like, almost the most, like, anti-gangster film he's ever made. Sure. In the sense that, like, it's really fighting against the genre, not even just, like, gangsters and their happenings in real life, which right. a lot of the other films are about. Kind of the way that Cassavetti's movies are, like, anti-melodramas in a way. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And also, I real quick, do you know the story about what Cassavetti said to Scorsese before he made Mean Streets? No. It was after, it was after Boxcar Bertha, which, like, didn't do very well, and Cassavetti's was like, Marty, you spent a year making a piece of shit. Like... Make something that, like, matters to you. And then he made Mean Streets. Holy fuck. No wonder why. Yeah, dude. Like, I thought it was amazing. Because, and, yeah. and actually, it's really similar to uh, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Yep, uh, totally. In a, in a ton of ways. Um, but st staying away from, like, his classic. I mean, there are still, I'm sure there are, I don't remember exactly if there are a ton of whip pans. But, like, it's not really, there's not smooth dolly shots. There's yeah, it's not, not crazy cranes. Right. I mean, they didn't have that, all that, you know. I mean, they had dollies back then. It's but part of it, but it so works. Yeah, but it's just way more down-to-earth and real feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, I found it, one, to be, like, one actually surprisingly, like, incredibly tragic, but also oh, yeah. incredibly hilarious. Like, you mm -hmm. would, your review for this movie was so <laughs> hilarious because De Niro's performance in this, like, just like that. Oh, hey, 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 hey. What are you doing? What are no. you doing? Get over here. What are you doing? Yeah, hey. him, him and Harvey Keitel. Like, I just found the relationship so compelling and beautiful. Yeah. And, and, and this is really just, and again, I said this before, a fight against the gangster genre in the sense that literally it's just them trying to hang out together. Right. Like, let's go see a movie. Let's, you know, get fucking hammered and then walking home. Dude, that was the cutest scene I've ever seen in this, like, like not even just in a Scorsese movie, like, ever. When they pick up the fucking cans and yeah, they start dude. fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. Dude, it... it, it it's I, childlike. Like, it, it literally, like, I, I was, like, fucking tears in my, like, welling mm -hmm. up in my eyes. Just, like, I was the, getting the, choked the purity up. of it. This, yeah, the yeah. absolute purity is, like, these people don't want to engage in this, like, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, again, circumstance, being born in this neighborhood, being born into, like, your family, being born into these things, like, it's by necessity to a certain degree that you get brought into these things. But, the, like... They're not, like, inherently bad people. Right, right, exactly. Know? And that's, that's where, like, most of the air of tragedy comes from. Because even in moments like that, there's this sense of, like, this is not how it's going to last. Exactly, like, exactly. And the thing is, too, you know, I'm a sucker for, you know, uh, you know, you could have made decisions to, like, fix yourself or right. fix others. And you chose not to. And that's what ended up getting them killed. But, like, mm -hmm. Harvey Keitel... What was super guilty. There was like a ton mm -hmm. of opportunities for him to speak to his uncle again. You don't know. I don't know if it was for prestige or like, you know, just not, to not upset him to stay comfortable and content. And the fact that like, he really is kind of just like a fuck up. Like, I right, mean, totally. not as much as De Niro. He's got, again, pr probably a, a deeper education. Right. And, and a, not as explicitly as De Niro. Yes, but. exactly. But, but at the same time, he, he really does just kind of go around doing shit all day yeah, just drinking yeah and smoking and, um, you know. and then his uncle checks in what are you up to oh you know this and that and i gotta collect from this guy and that guy but again the only thing that like comes in between the friendship is the money and like that's mm -hmm. the only conflict of the film is people wanting to collect money money that's accruing yep. fucking interest all this stuff like it's just all about money and it's You're so right. sad that like this friend these friendships in again these like mob scenarios can't actually be real friendships because the, the the surrounding the peripheries are basically just death 
and money yeah. and like prestige to a certain degree, depending on like, you know, like right. what level you are. As like a byproduct of that. Exactly. Um, so I just found the ending of the film like really sad, even though it's like a little bit fucking like over the top and the, you know, car flips. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah sure. But yeah, I don't know. I was just like really, really taken aback. It felt like a sort of prelude to the Irishman. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. What, what the Irishman would extrapolate on like much, much in much more detail mm-hmm. um, and on a larger scale. But this just felt like the more pared down, charming version of the Irishman to me, to be honest. Sure. Um, and I honestly adore Harvey Keitel. He's he oh yeah, is he's so fantastic. good, and he's so fucking good in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I fucking loved it. So I was just surprised. Right on, right on. Yeah, I think it's a great movie too. Um, this is also kind of, in a weird way, I think part of why I like it so much is, is obviously stylistically, formally, completely different. But yes. it's, it's, it, in ideas, it's sort of his West Side story a little bit mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, people who you believe are genuinely good-hearted, like you were saying, and then how the circumstances and their surroundings corrupt them and lead to tragedy and all yeah, these and, things and, like or that. Or, like, faith that things are going to work out, but that faith is really just, like, misplaced ignorance. And yeah, like totally. You're, and you're just not being realistic with yourself. And, yeah, so I found it super sad. Like, the end of the, of the film, I was like, fucking, yeah, fuck. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and it's you're right to point out too that like it is stylistically pretty different than like what people think of when they think Scorsese. Like I feel like people think 90s Scorsese, they think Goodfellas Casino is 100%. like prototypical Scorsese. And this is so to a T like we were saying before, like just 70s American New Hollywood independent kind of, you know, subverting the expectations of what like slick drama looks like. Like there's something very handheld and grimy yeah. and kind of like intimate in that sense that is evoked through the filmmaking here that I think is really impactful and absorbing. And, and you know, I think his later stuff is like just as if not more absorbing for sure. me, but it's like th- this also is just great. It's, yeah. it's, it's what we we're talking about with his versatility. Like he can do so many different styles just yeah. so beautifully. Absolutely. So yeah. Great movie. Good pick. Hell yeah. All right. Off to your number three. My number three. This is, this is where we get in the thick of it. These, yeah. these next three, like the of it. I really kind of love equally. The order is sure. arbitrary, sure. but I, you know, I can't cop out. We mm-hmm. got to put them in an order. So my number three is silence. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm close. Yeah. Is, is this appearing on yours? Oh wait, actually, I said silence was your three. Yeah. yeah it you is did. appearing on mine. Okay, so, so we'll we'll we'll, we'll move talk on. We'll move on. We'll move on. Your number three? Uh, no, actually, my it's my number two. Oh, it's your number two. Um, and my number two is silence. So it's all right. Well, there we go. <laughs> so there we go. We're talking about it anyways. Beautiful. Yeah, we we just watched the film, as I said earlier. Yeah, the podcast. We, we we'd both seen it before, but we just watched again to refresh. Yeah, refresh because this had been one that again was the first like perspective shift into Scorsese's filmmaking. I remember he can make your something review. so just delicate mm-hmm. uh in i mean maybe delicate isn't the right word there are scenes that are definitely delicate but again more refined filmmaking than yeah you know kind of the it's not fast and aggressive exactly yeah. it, it's it's contemplative it's devastating it's beautiful yeah. it's and again it's quiet too. it's so quiet i mean like no pun intended but like they really do lean into like the silent aspects of the film when this when the, the sound cuts out it is like j- jarring in the best way it's yeah. like being cut with a fucking knife is it's, there like any non-diegetic music maybe a tiny bit of yeah. like tone here and yeah, there I really don't think so there's I no mean, non-diegetic yeah. melody yeah. like so yeah this was again the first perspective shift that I had like a while ago that I was like this is going to make me think differently of Scorsese and it really has especially now that I've actually gone back and rewatched a ton of his work but um I mean 
I guess we can both equally talk about yeah, this because yeah. it was your number three, my number two. But right. like, what did you think about our, our watch upstairs? Just as moving as always, or <laughs> oh yeah, just as moving as always. I mean, it's mm. it's in. A, I mean, you know, it's on its surface, it's a movie about religion, faith, yada yada, and it is about all those things, of course. But it's mostly <clears> a movie about like vanity and discovering what like actual selflessness is absolutely and it's so profoundly moving oh my in god in that sense like I'm, I'm moved to tears every time yeah I again watch you, it you don't have to be a religious person to like gain because i'm not movement out of this and like i i don't know what i am i'm i'm, I'm, I'm very fence. agnostic there, there's like, just things that move me like again yeah. within religion that like i feel like i can't deny but oh, i don't totally. go to church like i don't read the right. bible i don't pray I'm, I'm not someone who really like personally at least i'm not someone who exactly like explicitly believes in anything sure. I'm, I'm very just you know basic definition agnostic but i am someone who you know likes to be in touch with like emotions and some sort of spirituality Absolutely. and so i don't know it's like whether i believe or not it's kind of almost arbitrary to me i'd like to believe yeah and this movie definitely hits me in some of those places yeah totally yeah th th this also i mean I, I don't want to talk about this too much but scorsese by some groups who we wouldn't agree with is has been known as a bit of a like cinema snob in the past few years for his comments about popular oh like yeah sure. superhero movies yada yada sure, sure, sure. and I, I, I can't help but think that some of that from his point of view is because of this movie silence, like not being a success. Oh my God. It, it, well, it's like the, the, this is the first movie where again, I've never shout out to a uh, midnight movie. What's his name? Oh, Eric Weber. Shout out Eric Weber. <laughs> I'm not going to say he's like a straight up cause he's not a shill by right. any means, but a lot of his movies are like very much made for the populace and oh, like, yeah. very enjoyable. But silence, I will say it does take a fucking step away from that. And yeah. I feel like this is honestly maybe the first movie that doesn't have like really anything that's super enticing to get people into the theater to watch it. The only thing is Andrew Garfield. Yeah. And Adam driver and Adam driver. Yeah. Um, was he as popular in 2016? Um, I feel like that was actually, like right yeah, when he started getting yeah, because Star Wars hyped. was 2015. Okay, so he was popular at that yeah, point. So, but. but so just massive respect for making this film. Oh yeah. Um, but then again, like you said, no one came out to see it. My mom and I did. My mom and I were there opening weekend. You're a fucking beast. We were out there. You're a beast. But yeah, um, I mean, and, and obviously I understand why this wouldn't be a moneymaker the way that like The Departed is where you have Leo and Damon playing cops and criminals. No, absolutely. Like, and, you know, I, I don't expect that or anything, but I, I, I think it was kind of an awakening to him of like, oh, like, like when he made Last Temptation of Christ, that was like controversial. That was sure. a huge cultural thing yeah. in the moment. And, you know, now what's controversial is like who appeared in the mid credit scene of like. Thor five or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's sure. like that, that, that's, that's the new, that's, that's what's having articles written about it now. And yeah. his, you know, his very challenging movie about like faith just kind of came and went in terms of commercialism. Absolutely. Like, absolutely. It, was, it was critically acclaimed, but it, it stuck be. with me and it will be stuck with me. Oh yeah. It's stuck with me. I mean, back, back to the movie itself. Yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's God. Well, I mean, one, one formally, it's just very different from the rest of his films. Again, yeah. he, he really does pay homage to, you know, Japanese cinema, yeah. wide angle lenses for like pretty yep. much the entire film. Totally. And um, like noticeably. So a um, lot of landscapes, like everything mm -hmm. on the water was just like Dude. beyond stunning. So you know, shout out Mizuguchi. And there's um, even in one of the more brutal scenes of the movie, it, it's straight up like a scene from Sancho, the bailiff where yeah. they're pushing them in the water. Is, are they wrapped in like bamboo? Is that what that is? Yep. Or, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, 
when he's being carried through the town, that's a, right. that's a crucified lovers shout out as well. Damn. So um, it's very much paying homage to to the greats of, of Japan, and you know, obviously, that's kind of my bread and butter. Honestly, yeah, like I, I really do love that stuff. So not only does this film speak to me on like a spiritual level, but just as uh, as like just my own tastes, mm-hmm. it's like pretty much like yeah, it's 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 tasty for me, despite how disgusting many of the things that happen in the film yeah you know there's a pretty gnarly beheading and beyond even just the actual graphicness it's it's just painful stuff oh my god and 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 that's another thing too is like for me arguably just way more chilling than any blood you know brain splattering from leo is just hearing these fucking shrill cries the last like 40 minutes of this movie are like just like like I'm, I'm it's weird i i have multiple like soft cries throughout this oh, yeah. and there are a couple that are just straight pain yeah where Dude, it's like it, this is just awful well even like, just like like the brutalness of it all because that is very true is in japan is like the just like showing just how devastating shit is and then hitting you with like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen yeah. and being like oh my god but like kichijiro's family getting fucking killed oh in front of them it's just like dude oh it's it's too yeah it's it's just pretty much right from the rip completely gut wrenching completely gut wrenching yeah really formally the only like scorseseisms in here there's one crazy fucking like quick pan part way through that took me off guard there there are a couple little inserts and throughout the, the only thing that i did the one thing that i actually don't like about this movie is when uh-huh. is when uh garfield has his like sort of joker moment like oh he's like <laughs> Yeah, where he yeah. just starts fucking tweaking out and looking at the reflection in the water. I kind of like, like that. <laughs> like, I just, I feel like they could have done it with, like, I just felt like they, like, lingered on it for so long. Uh-huh. Um, but, like, you know. What I like about it is, like, they do linger on it for a while, but then there's that weird, quick, like, reverse shot to the puddle again where the drop hits and he sees the guy standing there. Yeah, which there. is sick. And which that, cu- sick. that cut is so crazy. That was sick. Um, and, again, it's actually a good scene in the sense where, like, he sees... He sees Jesus, but it's right. not that like he gets a sign from Jesus. He sees himself, himself as, Jesus, as Jesus, which is not what you want to be doing as a devout. Right. And he literally throughout the movie, he compares himself to Jesus. Like there's the scene early on where um, in reference to uh, their guy, he's like, well, Jesus trusted even worse. Like, yeah, just being like, hey, like what we're doing is kind of Christ like. Yeah. Well, and that's that's where a lot of again, you, you mentioned vain at the very beginning. And like right. the whole reason they went out there was to find this other person priest to an a wall right um who's liam neeson right who's also dude his voice is perfect for like this oh kind of like God. narrated role he is amazing yeah, in this movie. he's so good yeah um but andrew garfield adam driver ship out to from from uh portugal portugal yeah. to go to japan to find him um as it's been told that he has denounced his face apostatized. apostatized and uh is now living as a japanese man right uh you know celebrating and, buddhism and, and in the first astrology. scene they're like no fucking way yeah they're, they're just like, like no that's they're like lie. that that can't be like he he like taught us in our faith like this and is we're just... based as fuck right exactly <laughs> like, yeah like the, our faith is obviously perfect he's like this is just out of the question yeah well it's like their ego because they're like raised in you know, this religion, they mm-hmm. don't know anything else. And that's the whole thing about like co- colonizing. And it's not right. about, they, they actually call Japan a swamp in this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously I'm, I didn't, you know, they're the writers or whatever. I feel like a swamp isn't like accurate. It's just that they acted as if like they're, the flowers are, they're presenting the flowers without even like tending to any seeds. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They're not um, gardening. They're just throwing dead flowers. Exactly. Fire. Exactly. So they, they show up in this space and they start preaching their word. Mm-hmm. But again, they're not trying to learn the language. 
They're not trying right. to learn the customs. Yeah. They're just pushing what they know onto someone else who's living a completely different lifestyle. If you've gone abroad anywhere, just again, culturally, things are just fucking different. Yeah, it's a different world. And there's even a line where they, they say about Father Ferrero when he first got there, they're like, he taught, but he never learned. Exactly. And that's like key to what's going on with Garfield. And you right? watch and you watch Adam Driver like literally fucking recoil multiple times as like Japanese people like approach him. Like right. again, it's not like he's doing I mean, he may it may have developed uh, more comfort as he you know persisted through his journey, perhaps. But there's a clear othering going on. Exactly. From their Again, th- there's the vanity. There is this is like what is going to bring glory to me. A lot of it is yeah, about like they exactly. say like, this makes me feel this way. This yep. makes me feel this way. Garfield's voiceover throughout, especially early on, he's like, yeah, like I, I was like so happy to like get so many confessions from people, yada yada. Yeah, like, like I feel like I have purpose here, and it's right. like that is not the point. And it's very like the, the vanity initially. I mean, because by the end of it, they're explaining talking about this yeah. but like the seeds of that are planted so early yes. in ways that are so organic and like you know if you don't really know where this is going like i wasn't picking up on that the first time i watched it sure. like by the end obviously it makes it yes. clear but like and you see in retrospect yes. but it's just, it's just very smoothly done um and then yeah it's it's so about because one of the key like just religious concepts particularly in christianity and you know martin scorsese himself is very catholic and this is a yeah. big thing there but just like the vanity of suffering, how Garfield clearly like wants to suffer. He's like, take me to the Inquisitor, like challenge my faith in a yes. real way. Yeah, he's like, like, come on, give it to me, like give it to me harder. And he's <laughs> like, he sees, kill people in front of me, literally. Yeah, like he he sees his suffering as like a Christ like martyrdom in a very selfish way, yes. and he's he's ignoring how his suffering is very clearly tied to those around him. And people point it out to him. It's not like he yeah. needs to, like, come to this conclusion himself. He they're just like, says, hey, like, like, you're weak in your faith. I'm strong in my faith. Right, and they're like, like dude, like, you can save these people. Quite if, literally. Literally, like, in a very literal sense. And, and again, some of them are like, I don't even care. Like, this is just like, uh, you know, what, what, what did they describe it as? They said it, like, three times. I, I forgot what word they used. I don't but remember. Like, but basically, it's just like, just do it. It doesn't mean anything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a formality. Yeah, it's a formality. It's, it's a simply formality. a formality. Right, right. Um, it's so interesting, too, in, in terms of how, like, they, they, like when Liam Neeson later in the movie is talking to Andrew Garfield about, like, his skewed perception of, like, what Christianity in Japan is, the whole son of God thing yes. is so telling. Dude. And, in, in, like, the, the language barrier, and but specifically, like, their lack of attention to that, to the cultural mm-hmm. elements. Like, they're so blind and vain in their faith that they think they can just show up and present it, and that'll be it. Exactly. And it's so chilling when he's like, they're dying for you. Right, and yeah. he's just like... So you have the power to save them. Like, do what Jesus would do and save these people that God loves. Yeah. It, it, it's so it's so deeply it's moving. It's so and, fucking moving, And dude. to Andrew Garfield's credit, like, to his character's credit, like... He he does eventually he gets learn there. to do that. He gets there. He gets. He there. does get there. Um, yeah, it's not about the materialism of. And, and he even it's funny because he, he con- there's a lot of contradictions throughout, which you mm-hmm. know obviously I live for. But um, when Garfield's like handing out in I forgot what city he the second city he was teaching in, mm-hmm. um, but like he's like oh they they want these material objects that like reflect faith more than they actually care about faith right and it's like that's just you but right because like, he literally goes person. like and i had to fucking give up my rosary yeah like, in like <laughs> yeah. the same sentence so funny so it's like dude that's just you <laughs> yeah so it's just funny like the irony that eventually bites him in the butt and unfortunately many people had to die you know yeah that didn't have to mm-hmm. but again in that same vein of like forgiveness and like learning and redemption mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff like he does come around 
and like truly does learn what it learns what it means to be a fucking Christian and a yep. good person and yeah. like he learns selflessness because he stops it it actually becomes about helping people and not about people knowing that he's being selfless. Exactly. Like, exactly. That's like the change that happens is he stops caring about what others think of him. Exactly. And so that's like the vanity dissolving. And and yeah, there's so many good scenes where like, you know, he directly before people like Openly, we're like, okay, I'm down to apostatize because, like, I'm not trying to get fucking killed. Right. Like, before the guy got his behead- beheading, mm-hmm. all those people turned to look at him. Right. You know, to see, like, yeah. he's watching. Like, basically, this is a god figure. Like, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. because he presents himself as such and he feels as such. Right. Um, but, you know, we're talking over the same thing now. So, anyways, the end of the film is just fucking, yeah. It's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. And I like that Marty commits. It's not like a up in the air, like, well... Did he keep his faith? Was he still a Christian? Like, no, we see the cross in his hand. We see the cross in his hand as the final shot as he's getting burned uh, in in the Buddhist uh, burial right. ceremony way. And again, it's 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 a formality. It's like because a lot of you know hardcore fundamentalist types are like, oh, he's gonna burn in hell because like you know this protocol wasn't followed or whatever. And I love the way that this movie presents those sorts of religious processes where yes. it's like it, it's just a formality. Like yeah. that isn't what's important. Yeah. If you truly like down in your heart, again, it's not, again, it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual connection yeah. to the heavens or. To, you know, the ephemeral or yeah, whatever and, and uh, that terms, really matter. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of like your conduct on earth before you move on into whatever the next life is, it's like, it, it, it is, you know, I, I, I find a lot of peace in this movie with how Garfield finds peace in like truly being selfless and like helping other people without vanity. It's, it's, it's very moving. It's incredible. Yeah, and it's moving. like, Oh dudes. And the stuff that he's doing, I mean, the, the, despite the fact that he has to like denounce God right. semi-regularly with check-ins mm-hmm. and, um, you know, practice Buddhist beliefs, even though they right. might not be his own. But like, he's doing like astronomy and shit. Yeah, that's he's like, learning. Yeah, he's like, he's like basically just a student of the game. And like, yeah, and Liam Neeson earlier kind of talks about that. He's like, yeah, like I've I've learned a lot. There's a lot of wisdom here. Yeah. Like, there's stuff. There is stuff to learn yeah, here. Japan is like deeply historic country. Right. You know? Yeah. There's so much to gain from perspective. He actually begins to embrace like learning about their culture. Yeah, other than he, being born into Christianity or Catholicism. Right. And then again, that's the sort of blind faith. Yeah, anyways, but and, and he's writing in their language by the end. And yeah, it's it, it's a really beautiful arc yes. that, that occurs. Yes. So, um, yeah. So amazing, amazing movie. movie. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing movie. Yeah, so that um, that is my that is my number three. That's my number two, number so two. we're gonna jump to your number so two. My number two my my number two and my number one are I'm sure it's clear what they are at yeah. this point. They are so two sides of the same coin that I think complement each other in such profound ways. I'm gonna just stick to my guns. I'll go number two, the Irishman. Fuck, I was close. You were I was very really close. close. And I, I, really I close. almost I almost did it, but I'm well, gonna, I'm gonna my keep to what I wrote. So, it's your number one. Yeah, it's I'm, my number one. I'm just gonna reveal my number one too. Go it, for it's, it. It's Goodfellas. Yep. My number one's Goodfellas. Yep. Let's start with The Irishman, but sure. I'll kind of refer to Goodfellas a little bit because I do think that these two movies are like, this is like the best double feature like ever. Sure. In terms of how they complement sure. each other. But The Irishman, this is his latest movie. Well, his latest movie is Killers of the Flower Moon, yes. which is not So we didn't yet. actually abide by late style rules, unfortunately, yeah. Should guys. we have just put Killers at one? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Killers is, well, you haven't seen it yet, but it's gotta be. It's gotta be. Um... 
But yeah, The Irishman um, is like one of the saddest movies ever made. Literally. It's just one of the best movies ever made. It, it really is. It genuinely, like, I think about it all the time. I, Same. Yeah. I'm sad I didn't rewatch it for this. I should have. But again, I would just prior. I've seen it th- three or four times, and, you know, which yeah. is not a lot. But yeah, like, you know it well. I know it, I know it pretty well. Um, it, literally, the, the opening shot of it, which is like the long tracking shot through the nursing home mm-hmm. with uh, in the still of the nights playing, like, even just that in terms of. And, you know, I'll, we'll try and talk about it individually a bit, but, like, one of the most famous shots ever in movies is the long-taken Goodfellas where they walk through the restaurant, through mm-hmm. the Copacabana. Yep. And this is already, like, a mirror to that, but it's slower. It's sadder. <laughs> it's The so song's sad, sadder. In, instead of being in, like, an upbeat restaurant with guys smoking and <laughs> kissing girls and <laughs> yeah. stuff, we're in a nursing home where people are dying. Literally. Like, just immediately as an inverse to, like, what Scorsese is known for, yes. it's, it's deeply sad. 100%. Right off the bat. And it's such a beautiful framing device by starting here with, yeah. with old Sheeran because... It clouds the entire thing. It like, does. And and again, it, it, it makes it valid that he's retelling with such, like, perfect recollection because he's had the time to ponder on this because right. he's just an old fuck who's literally sitting nothing else to do nothing else to do everyone's dead other than think yep other than think that's and it. not philosophize just nah. regret <laughs> yeah just regret <laughs> literal regret yep yep and and he he breaks the fourth wall too because it starts as as many scorsese characters do True. throughout his films but it, it starts in like a voiceover where he's not speaking but we're hearing his voice and then he starts speaking yep but i think what's fascinating about it too is is like like Jordan Belford or Henry Hill or whatever. He doesn't look at the camera. He's like ashamed. Yeah. Like he is talking to you, but he can't even fucking look at you. Yeah. Because he's so ashamed and filled with regret. It's, oh my God. Another thing too is, um, I, I didn't think about this until I rewatched Mean Streets for this, but in, in both movies, like the names of the characters will appear on screen as they're like introduced. Yeah. But in The Irishman, they're accompanied by like the date and cause of death. Yeah. Which is like like the way that in this movie he returns to so many things that he has done before, but like adds an extra layer to yeah. like that just completely reshapes. It totally recontextualizes it in the most like fatalistic, depressing way possible. Yeah. And and it's one of those things where like I'm such a like I love movies that are about love, you know? Right. But, but like there are some things that are just so transcendently like depressing yeah. that like it's just, just gotta like hats off. Dude, like, hats fucking off. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, this whole movie is so perfectly constructed, yeah. fucking pinpoint precision. Oh. Like, the dude, this is, like, to me, again, when it was, like, master. Like, yep. like all his other films are fucking amazing. Again, mm-hmm. like, there's so many that are just amazing. But this is the only one where I was just, like, God fucking damn, dude. Like, like top tier. Like, again, like you, you said, it's, it's one, to me, one of the best films ever made. I like, agree. Like, yeah. genuinely. Like, yeah. it, you know, at least, at least in, I don't know the time I was born to now. Yeah, I mean, it's, if, it's, if, like, if I made a list of, like, my top 100 movies, this is definitely in there. Oh, yeah. Like, top top 50, maybe. For yeah, me. probably. Like, um, but anyways, I don't know. It just covers such... I mean, it, it, it's a very long run time. So oh, yeah, it has the time to cover... It's a three and a half. Or, ...really intricate things. But it does it, again, in, like, such a nuanced way where, like, uh, you know, immigrant... Im- like, many of his movies, immigrant... Immigrant stories. Immigrant yeah. stories. Uh, Sheeran coming in, again, played by De Niro... Who's kind of the silent grunt man um, yeah. of the of 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 the story? Man, De Niro um, in this movie. Who who works his way up? Sort of, sort of works his way up. He gains camaraderie and friendship, but not really status. Uh, but he is yeah. really a grunt through the entire movie that does the dirty work. For he's the, very much a hired gun. Yes, for for the boys on top, before and after gangsterdom. Like he's he's like a union trucker initially who starts like 
doing like small time crimes for these mobsters and then gradually is doing, you know, bigger tasks for them as it yes. goes along. And, and, uh, before that, he was in the war. Right. And that's also key in terms of him being a grunt. Where exactly. He's like, follow orders. Well, the first phone call with uh, Hoffa, they, mm-hmm. he had like, I don't remember the, the guy's name, but he had said something along the lines of him being like, re- reminding him of like his commanding officer. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, again, just the conditioning of like pre existing things that happen in your life mm-hmm. and then basically replicating those because that's all you know. So you know, he's like, and I again, need orders. You had to go to war. There was no option. You right. had to go. Yeah. And then again, it's like you're being praised for murder. Right. And he's and, like, yeah, you know, they, they would tell us, like, go take him out in the woods. They wouldn't say exactly what to do, but we knew what they meant. It's yeah. like, he's it, just following orders. Oh my God. And I love that. I, I didn't actually break this up in Mean Streets because my notes, the, I actually texted like a super long text to Nabil about it. Uh-huh. Um, and so I didn't have him like, I was like, oh, I'll just reference that. So I, but just like, again, like double meanings and like all of that mm. is like just so common in the gangster genre where it's oh, like, yeah, yeah. where it's like, sleeping with the just, fishes. Just tell him it, it is what it is or right. it is how it is or whatever. And what that actually means is if you don't comply, we will kill you. Yeah, you're going to fucking die. Right. Um, and I just love that little, like, I don't know, just the language. Yeah. Just like how, and, and, and it's because. It's not for good reason. It's, it's not like um. How do I even like word this? It's like faux polite. Yeah, it's like faux polite, but it's also because they're just like I don't know, kind of fucking pussies. Yeah, you know, totally. Like totally. yes, like you could be like, oh, they're wiretapped, so they have to say other things. And like some of that's true, but not all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it's this weird compartmentalization of like actual like respect and etiquette with their real desires to be pieces of shit. Yeah, and cheat. And yeah, you kill can't say and... what you mean. Just say what you fucking yeah. mean. And so many of really all of Scorsese's crime movies are about like etiquette in some way and the weird like contradiction of how these people are in some ways like hyper respectful to each other like kissing the rings kissing each other on the cheeks like yeah there's much just... respect to you sir like you know that kind of mob classic yeah. stuff and at the same time it's like when you look at what they're actually doing it's it just the most not violent ridiculous shit on the planet yeah it's completely hypocritical and again earlier i had said that uh uh after hours was like his bleakest comedy this is just like his bleakest like drama whatever yeah. like it is so dark and like oh my god just fucking brutal the from end way to end. the fucking world i mean we, we had just you know mentioned the beginning about how why it's sad and how it's sad in the framing device um where again he's getting to understand how his grunt work and the things that he committed the acts of violence yeah like um, how'd we get here how he got there and again looking back on it i always think about Probably like the other, the best iteration of this is the end of Twin Peaks: The Return. Oh when, my god! You know Cooper. It's you like know, the most chilling. Yeah, ever. It's, yeah, yeah. So it's just uh, that always fucking gets me. Yeah, and like him coming to terms with the fact that like you created this for yourself. This, this is not the path that you had to go, but you made right. these choices to get here, and you can't go back now. Try as you might, you can't go yeah, back. It's he, over. He tries to reconnect with Anna Paquin, his daughter, yeah, and, Peggy. And, and like you know, it's too little, too late. Like it's too fucking late. Yeah, her entire life, he's been just this emotionless violent grunt yeah. there's the scene early on where um he goes to the shop there's like like the shopkeeper like grabbed her was rough with her or something yeah well, that she was working at his young younger younger daughter younger daughter yeah and so he he and you know again this is kind of complex too because on one initial hand i'm like you know i get where he's coming from like someone sure. lays a hand on your kid like yeah go show him what's what but yeah she she sees him just like stomping Break on this his guy fucking on the street. Hand. Yeah, like stomping on his hand. His hand is bloody. And then he's like, take that motherfucker. Yeah, grabs her, walks away. And But then that's it. Like, that's mm-hmm. what their interactions are. He's not doing that and then explaining, like, 
why he did it because he loves her or whatever. It's like she just sees this violent dude killing people and then she starts seeing it in the newspapers. So then eventually when he does kill Jimmy Hoffa, who was way more of a father to her than Frank Sheeran ever yeah. was, she's like, you killed, like, who was essentially my dad. Yeah. And it's it's just, fuck, it's absolutely devastating. Also, the, the structure of this, I, I've talked to you about this, but very similar to... Maybe my favorite movie of all time, The Conformist, which Scorsese yeah. just loves. He's talked about that movie a lot. It's extremely similar, like the cross-cutting structures, how we have Frank and Russell in a car. And all of this is within the nursing home framing device, so it's even more complex in structure than The Conformist is. But we have Frank and Russell in the car, and then within that, we flash back to show how they got there. And this car ride they're in will culminate in him killing Jimmy Hoffa. Yes. So it's very similar to like Claire Ritchie and his henchman in the car going to kill the professor and his mm-hmm. wife and the conformist. Same sort of thing. But then it's like this movie is like if the conformist was told from that guy's view when he was like 80 and his wife was dead. Yes. Like, so it's, it it's even so... more like gut wrenching in that yeah. sense. It's... Yeah. And like that is like gut wrenching. All the violence, again, is just so like to me, it's just more brutal in it, the way it's reserved it's compared to Casino. Yeah. Like when it's like, oh, hey, Frank, and he walks down the street and just fucking double pops the guy. Yeah. And then just nonchalantly walks off. And there's no like, again, romanticized version. People say that about his other gangster right. flicks. Right. It's just like cold fucking yeah. business it's just a wide shot there's no music or anything like you know in 90s scorsese kills there'd be a rock song blaring and like some whip pans and blood splattering and then a close-up and... to him on the fucking ground with yeah blood fucking pool and like even in those movies obviously to some extent it's meant to be horrifying but it is meant to be exciting yes and in this it's not exciting it's it's banal and just like awful yeah. and cold yeah, and oh my god. Also, we we brought this up earlier, but like one of the most devastating scenes I've ever seen in any movie is when after Frank kills Jimmy Hoffa when he calls his wife on the phone and he's trying to comfort her and he's just like stuttering and yeah, can, like, dude, he can't get anything he can't out. Can't say shit because like obviously he's the one who fucking did it. Uh, yeah, and it just the, the way God De Niro is excellent in this yeah, movie. He's so fucking. This good. is maybe my king favorite gesture, De Niro like king of the, king of gesture here. Like, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. I agree. I agree. Hard agree. And I don't know. There's just so much complexity going on between like character dynamics, power dynamics. It's all the classic like gangster shit, but again, taken to like a political level that right. has I mean, not been present in any of the other gangster movies. Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree in Casino, like, you know, you're getting there. Sure. Yeah. It's, but, but like this, this one's is, specifically politics. Yes. Like Casino is like business and like the corporate sphere, but this is about like how the mafia infiltrated like union organization and threw that into like the presidency and it gets into like, you know, Castro's rise in Cuba and how that affected the mob and their relationship to Kennedy. And it's, it's very intricate in that sense, which is another thing I, I love about it even beyond an emotional level, just in terms of shit I'm into. Yeah. It's it's just fascinating. Yeah. Super fascinating. Um, another thing to touch on is like, uh, Peggy's relationship with Hoffa and Pesci. Um, oh um, my god, also devastating. Yeah, because and I weirdly feel bad for Pesci in those scenes. Well, and, and it's funny. I I read this. I mean, I don't like fully stand by this, but uh-huh. someone's take was like basically like there's a certain level of like because these men are like so emasculine in the way that they like go about things. Like mm-hmm. Pesci was always salty that Peggy preferred Hoffa. You yeah, know? Absolutely, so it's like yeah. so it's like committing like the kill on Hoffa was like a bit of a like well fuck you like surrounding totally. Peggy yeah, um, at least partially Peggy because they, they clearly have a bit of a like big dick contest between each yeah. other throughout and and that's kind of also where the shift 
Peggy's generation is like where like full assimilation uh, into American culture and like whiteness right. started to happen. Yes. And that's the point when Hoffa dies. Um, that's really when she knows that her dad or Peggy knows that Frank Sheeran killed Hoffa. She knows. Mm-hmm. And that's when she stops talking to him. Yep. She knows about everything else that happened before or is at least like questioned it and put some things together. But she, she hadn't cut him off. But she hadn't cut him off. But once she cut off Hoffa, who was basically like the immigrant dream, like right. like he is was in a position of power. He was like clean, right? Quote unquote to by the like, public. To the yeah. public, um, he was basically just the pristine, idealized immigrant life, right? Like this is someone I could be, and mm-hmm. basically the grunt worker, the one who's done the dirty work to basically help with the assimilation, is now right. forgotten. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was like a really complex and kind of like interesting way to again. Not again, not like place blame on like immigrants for coming into the country, but like, but ignoring how the assimilation happened. Obviously, it's like bolstered by like the whiteness, you know, accepting it and make like allowing them to do it for their own personal gain. Totally. But like, they're still fucking killing people. Yeah. You know? And so many of Scorsese's movies really at a core level are like immigrant assimilation yeah. stories, sometimes failed assimilations. Sometimes like, you know, it varies in what that means movie to movie, but yeah, that that's, that's absolutely on point. Yeah. It, so I thought that was super interesting. Um, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So another just amazing, like there's just so many amazing things about also this movie. like, yeah, I mean, we could keep going, but like one of the best final shots ever, bro, that wide of him where he's like, can you leave, leave the, the door, door open? open. It's oh, just like, God, Oh so my brutal. God, my fucking heart, bro. Broken. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, cause it really, it all, the fact that, it just keeps going after what in a lot of movies would be like in a lot of movies or in a lot of versions of this movie, the climax would be him killing Hoffa. Yeah. And that's like, you know, that's the prelude to act four, which yes. is the real, what it ends up all. Wait, what about. episode is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's the, what's the, uh, yeah, if, if you pause it at uh, two hours, 50 minutes, you can watch it as a mini series, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that no, in there real yeah, quick. Yeah, that's that's part of it. Yeah. Well, just well, okay. Also, for people who haven't seen this, yeah, it's three and a half hours. J- take take a break or two if you need to. Just watch it in one night, though. Yeah, hundred percent. Do not this movie. Don't split it up. It's agreed. worth it. It's worth it. it and it's made to be consumed. That's the thing. It's made to be consumed that way. It's not made to be watched in a chopped up. Way. Yeah, they're not. We're not gonna have a fucking intermission at Killers of the Flower Moon, which is longer, correct? Right. Uh, I or think is it's it just a little bit shorter. Three minutes shorter. I believe. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. But anyways, close but, enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not that bad. Just you know, t- take take pee breaks or whatever. Yeah, but it's like to. just just again, it all comes down to like just wanting to be loved have people around you and again like yeah. that just like can you please leave the door open it's just like let a little bit of the light in like maybe yeah. someone will come in and, and he tries to turn to religion in like the final 20 dude minutes. which is just like oh it's my so god fucking dude. Heartbreaking. it's uh, yeah it's he's just a, a man whose ignorance knew no bounds like you know yeah. and again and again not at his own i mean at his own fault but also kind not of. at his own fault kind it's like and that, again that's why i love this movie because again, it's just so complex on complex. so many levels and in terms of like you know the, the blame quote unquote like it rides that line perfectly where it's like it's both things are kind of true yes and that's just how life is like yes. life isn't cut and dry like that it's like things coexist in complex ways that is often sad and uncomfortable and this movie gets to that in such a profound way absolutely yeah masterpiece masterpiece amazing movie i already said it but my number one is goodfellas which is really kind of in some ways the inverse of this movie but i i see it more as the flip side to the same coin sure this is like 
if when Frank Sheeran was like 40 years old, he told his life story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Except like even more so though, because Henry Hill was like way more charismatic than Frank Sheeran. He has relatively more autonomy. But yeah. like we were saying, this is um another immigrant story. Yep. Like Henry's turn to gangsterdom started when he was a kid. He's living in like a packed apartment with a bunch of siblings. Yeah. The way a lot of, you know, mid-century immigrant families were at the time. And so he starts working at the cab stand, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where he's parking Cadillacs for these rich guys who <laughs> yeah. go play cards. I'm sure there's nothing suspicious about that. But he, you know, quickly rises the ranks. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone's seen Goodfellas. I don't think I really need to sure. describe what happened sure. in Goodfellas. But I'm, th- in terms of my relationship to this, to this movie, this, like, was my favorite movie for a while. And it's still probably one of my, like, ten favorite movies sure. ever. It, I, I genuinely think this might be the most entertaining movie ever made. I, I think, you know, some of the thematic depths that are plumbed in The Irishman and Silence are, like, more complex and more profound sure. than what they get to but in from pure entertainment... I mean, it, it's it's kind of unbeatable for me. And I think something that's important about this, that some people who defend Scorsese actually get a little wrong sometimes, where they're like, oh, you think he's glorifying crime? Like, no, he's not. I'm like, well, he kind of is, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. Like, I, I think in this movie especially, he absolutely is glorifying crime because Henry Hill is obsessed with it. And he yeah, you seeing cool to the fuck. eyes the fucking the kid. Yeah, exactly. And it's... It's more real to me to show how exciting it is and how powerful it can make people feel, and yet it's still wrong. Yeah. Again, two things can be true. Think life is complex. Yes. Like I, I, I think people sometimes go a little too far, being like, "Goodfellas obviously like isn't saying gangsterdom is good." Like, like they're right. It's not saying gangsterdom is good. It's not saying it's not exciting. Though. Yes, it 100%. is pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. I mean, same thing with fucking like Wolf of Wall Street or something. Totally. You know, it's, it's, it's like, the same. Yeah, thing. is it fun to like fly private jets and party on yachts? Like, fuck do yeah. coke at a hooker's assholes? Yeah, I mean, I of haven't course. done it, but probably I wouldn't know. But of course, <laughs> but yeah, and so I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that from sure. some like moral standpoint because it's, it's not that complex. Obviously, what we're seeing is like warped and yeah. disturbing. Absolutely, and you know, plenty of the violence in it is disturbing, even though it is still exciting. Sure. Like we were saying, as like kind of a flip side to the Irishman. But you know, we also see how like. Like, his family life in Goodfellas is not touched on yeah. at all. Like, we see his, you know, whirlwind romance with Karen that eventually becomes, you know, vindictive and, and toxic. Toxic, and... all that kind of stuff. But like, he has kids at a certain point, but there's no... The movie doesn't announce that. They're just there at a yeah. certain point. Because it's so in his periphery. He's just like, I don't give a fuck about He's them. like, yeah, I gotta go do coke. I gotta go sell this <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, and, and this is another... We kind of talked about this about their etiquette. But this is an amazing movie about etiquette and this, like, hypocritical code of honor that they all have. Yeah. Because, you know, they're exceptionally, like, loving to each other in some ways. Like, look at this beautiful guy. He's getting made. They're yeah. kissing each other on the cheek and all that. But then, like, next week, if something goes awry. Dude, like, if they get I'm busted, they're betraying each ass, other dude. like that. Yeah, they're they're either killing each other or if the law gets them, they're giving each other up to make deals for themselves. 100%. Like, it's completely bullshit. Also, I, I love, too, in terms of their etiquette. Everyone in this movie is, like, handing each other money all the time. It's like, <laughs> hey, good to see you. Slips, like, some money yeah. into his, like, shirt pocket. So good. Just all of that stuff is so funny. And it's all, like, played for laughs. Like, I also think that this movie is fucking hilarious. Oh, super funny. It has, like, my favorite, just the the Joe Pesci scene where he's like, oh, you think I'm funny? Like, that. He'd amuse you to yeah. make you What am I, laugh? a fucking clown? Yeah. Like, yeah. that shit fucking. It's, it's oh, I just think you're funny. Yeah, you know, the, the way you tell the story and everything. <laughs> you, you're funny. Also, Ray Liotta's performance in this is 
dude. I love beyond lo- amazing. I love his laugh. Like the way yeah, he like <laughs> like yeah, it's just so gnarly. It's, it's like so maniacal. Gnarly. Yeah, it's actually crazy. This is also my favorite voiceover in any movie ever because it, it it really it feels so sincere. Like he'll get excited about things. He's like he's like I mean here I was this kid I couldn't see with the steering wheel and I'm parking Cadillacs. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's so stoked about it and it is like genuinely oh endearing. God. You're like yeah, good for him. Yeah, man. let's fucking go before shit hits the hits the fan. Um, which obviously it eventually does. Things start going wrong. Henry gets all addicted to drugs and. Something we haven't touched on much is um, Scorsese is often known for his, like, jukebox soundtracks for movies. Dude, yeah, how do we not talk about any fucking real real needle <laughs> dropping outside of uh, uh, The Departed? <laughs> yeah, seriously, I mean, because Goodfellas is, like, you know, kind of known for that. There's Yeah. Because we start with all this kind of doo-woppy, big band yeah. sort of music, and then it, it just, it, it does two things. It, one... Like, in terms of just the flow of it, it's, like, another voice in the flow of the story. But then it's also just, like, a marker of time. Like, yeah. we go into the 70s, and now we're at Rolling Stones as he's doing coke. Sure. And, like, it's a great marker of just, like, their relation to culture and how that changes. And, like, how, like, just the mob's relation to, like, yeah. America and yeah. culture changes. And we talked earlier about Scorsese's digressions in his movies. In Goodfellas, it has some of my favorite digressions ever. Like, he'll literally just, for a couple minutes, be like... Yeah, in prison, dinner was a big deal. Like, this is how Paulie would slice the garlic. And we get, like, a minute about his process for, like, doing the garlic yeah, in their soup. I forgot about that. So like, good. It's so good. And then one of my favorite sequences ever is there's a bit towards the end when he's, like, at the peak of his, like, on coke phase. And it's just, like, one day. It's the day leading up to his eventual arrest. Yeah. And it starts at, like, 6 a.m. Uh, Jump to the fire. Harry Nilsson's playing. But he's driving around. And he's, like... This fucking helicopter's been following me all day. Like he, he, everyone he meets, he's like, "You've been seeing this fucking helicopter? It's following me everywhere." And then he's like, "And then I'd go back. I told my kid brother Michael to keep stirring the sauce." And it, it's, it's he's so just tweaking so hard. He's tweaking so hard. It's it just in terms of like both comedy and like sheer engagement and propulsion. Yeah. it's like one of the finest film achievements I've ever seen in my life. I, I just, I love this movie beyond words. Damn, so quotable. You know, I mean. We could keep going, but you get the point. This yeah. is just like, a, it fires on all cylinders for me. I absolutely love this movie. Hell yeah. I also like it. I don't love mm-hmm. it to your extent, but sure. it's because actually for me, like the whole like mob shtick is mm-hmm. actually not like my favorite thing on the planet. Sure. You know, it doesn't like necessarily appeal to all my senses. Sometimes I'm like really in the mood for it, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, I don't really want to deal with this right now. Sure. But like, yeah, you know, yeah. I love The Godfather. I love yeah. Goodfellas. Yeah. I love, I, I mean, I love most of Marty's movies. You know, I really yeah. liked Casino, but like, it just doesn't reach, like, that, again, that moving, moving, moving point for me. Right. But like, you know, again, that one is more stirred, like you said, towards just, like, the excitement and the entertainment and the craziness. Right. Which I think does itself become no, it does. chilling by the end of it. Which, which I sure. agree. I definitely agree with. But, again, it just it just doesn't hit me the same way. No, yeah, I get that. But sure. I still love it. So I just want to make that yeah, clear. Yeah. Even though it's not in my top five, I still think it's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing with this. It's like, I, I think, you know, maybe we can move on now into our honorable... Yeah, because there are plenty of movies that were on neither of our lists that I think we're both pretty big fans of. Yeah, um, so that was a, a great list, Jer. So I'm just you gonna, as well, you uh, as well. We just fist bumped each other, so Boom. you guys can imagine that. Um, but my honorable mentions, I just like this would probably be like in in the five spot, interchangeable with After Hours. To be honest, any of these, I had Raging Bull, mm-hmm. King of Comedy, Casino, mm-hmm. and Alice doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, great movies. My my two that I, I hated that I couldn't put in this list mm-hmm. are Wolf of Wall Street and The Departed. Yeah. Th- like, those were contenders for five. But really, what it came down to for me putting Casino over those is that I find both 
the like political history of Casino so interesting. Yeah. And also just just the editing of it. I'm I'm obsessed totally. with it. Totally. But absolutely love Wolf of Wall Street and The Departed. Both fuck we already talked about The Departed, but Wolf of Wall Street again is so breakneck and like it is. fun, but also like just dis- casually disturbing. Yes. Which I love. Absolutely. And I-, I love that it doesn't feel the need to rub your face in it. Because clearly, you know, it has a reputation sort of as like among dumb, among the dumb bros people, like yeah, the fraternity, frat bro classic. Like, dude, dude I, I'm I, a Jordan Belfort. Shit. I literally have people. I'm in, I'm in film school, mm-hmm. and I literally have students in my class like thinking that like Jordan Belfort's cool, <laughs> which is like, no joke. Like, I genuinely, I'm like, did did you watch the that's movie? What, it's, it's actually mind boggling because like, I don't find it subtle. <laughs> it, it's so funny because like cinema is truly its own language because yeah. I'm not going to say it comes straight down to stupidity because like I know smart people that just like watch a film and, and like, just, don't get it and they just don't get it for sure for sure you know I don't know I mean dude the way that like certain like political people I follow or science-based people I follow like they'll dip into a movie that's about politics or science and they're like Oh, it's saying this. I'm like, oh, no, you just don't get cinema language. No, like, literally. You get political stuff, you get scientific stuff, but you don't get cinema language. Literally. Um, and then I guess we'll finish real quick. Oh, actually, no, did you have more? Or is that I mean, I'll, I guess I'll name a couple. Those are my two big contenders, but other ones I love. I mean, I really love Age of Innocence. I think Age of Innocence is fucking beautiful. Just classic, like, old-timey sweeping romance, like, I'm, repression I'm gonna, shit. I'm going to have a hot take just yeah. for the podcast. All right. But honestly, I don't really like Daniel Day-Lewis. Like, yeah. I, and I've I've actually only seen four movies with him in them, and I've. Do you not like him in Age of Innocence? I thought he was fine. Like oh, I, I think he's like, great. I, I I thought the I to me I didn't I actually expected to really love it going uh-huh. into it, and maybe it's because I was like, oh, I'm gonna like this. Like mm. I I liked it. It was it was good. Yeah. But there's just so many things about it that I was like, eh, I don't really care. I I just like it as a movie, and I feel like. The, Scorsese's style complements this so well. I feel like it's a movie that's at a boil the entire time, but it never boils over. That's true. And him being a filmmaker who's known for being so flashy and quick and everything, working in a more reserved style, like yeah. that feels like that. And oh. I think that works pretty perfectly for me. Like I, I find the way it resolves just so fucking devastating in like what isn't said. No, it's true. I agree. I mean, I definitely was moved at parts, and my obviously, I mean, I'm gonna have you guess what like my favorite like little like sequence was right now. Um. It's pretty obvious, I think. I'm just not remembering, I guess. What is it? Um, it's like when he's an old man now and his son's going upstairs oh, to see him. Oh, of course. Of <laughs> yeah. course. Yeah. That's probably my favorite, too. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, no, yeah, I, that, I find that. I was, like, I was like, fuck, yeah. I was like, fuck, yeah. yeah. Another one I'll shout out. I mean, I also love After Hours. I love Raging Bull. Taxi Driver's great. I will say, as time has gone on, I'm less hot on the ones written by Schrader. I, yeah. I mean, I just watched Last Temptation of Christ and, like. It's good. I was like, whatever. I mean, I, again, it's like it's like a good movie. It's good, but to me, like, really low tier Scorsese. Agree, I agree. It's on like the lower end for me. And like, Raging Bull, I think is like immaculately well made. Yep. Like, just just on a visual level, it's yep. fucking stunning. But like, and I'm not even saying it's like bad on a textual level. Sure. But I don't find it as interesting a study of masculinity as like The Departed is. Sure, and that's why I wanted to rewatch it because I remember really liking Raging Bull. And, and that's great. Why I was, like, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah. it's a great movie, but like. You know, we're really splitting hairs here in terms Absolutely. of, like, great versus super great. Sure, sure. But, but as time has gone on, like, and kind of the same with Taxi Driver, which, I, again, I really fucking love. It's a great movie. Yeah. But it, it, as time has gone on, like, the ones we put in our list and other ones we've mentioned, like, are just more interesting to me now. Agreed. Agreed. It, like, it's it's an amazing piece of filmmaking. Like, formally unimpeachable. Yes. It's fantastic. Um, 
another one that I, I this will be my final <laughs> shout out because we can keep all right going, wrap it up wrap it up I, I know you're not too big on this one but i love shutter island dude okay yeah, yeah continue just tell me why i mean it's it's, it's his schizo <laughs> fucking hitchcock movie yeah about not wrong uh, and again again about like you know, post-World War II fucking guilt, craziness, yada yada. But what I love most about it is Thelma Schoonmaker, the fucking editing. Because a lot of his movies, and we talked about this briefly with The Departed, have, like, noticeable continuity errors yeah. and things like that. And the Shutter Island has a lot of those, but you begin to realize that it's, like, actually intentional. intentional. Like, yeah. there's a bit where, like, a woman picks up a glass of water and in one shot it's just not in her hand. And you're like, Whoa. okay, like that's not an accident. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some where you're like, was that an accident? Like, maybe that was just sloppy. And Are, then, am I schizo? Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I think the way it does that is like so perfect. And and I, I it's another one that I find weirdly sad because the way the way it culminates is that, and it, it differs from the book. The way that the book ends is that they have they give him the revelation where it's like this has been an elongated therapy process for you to come to terms with the fact that mm-hmm. your wife killed your kids and you killed your wife and that's why you're here. And the movie like goes a little beyond that where it's like because the book ends with him talking to his quote-unquote partner in this like whole role-playing yeah, yeah. thing where he's like yeah like we're too smart for them aren't we and, <laughs> yeah. and that's where the book ends where it's like ah shit he's still crazy it didn't work but then the movie he says to him do you think it's better to live as a monster or die as a good man and then he gets up and goes to get lobotomized so it's like oh he knows and he just wants to be out of his fucking misery yeah. which i, I will find say that is, a, that is a chilling ending i will yeah. not lie but i don't know ben kingsley being like i don't know this like uh, the doc dude max von seed out too i just I feel like it. i honestly know to like okay so well, let's go into our worst real quick yeah um, gangs of new york for me for me i think it's shutter island wow yeah it's, wow. it's, it's either shutter island or hugo but like hugo's just too easy because it's just like it's like yeah. a children's movie it's a kids like, movie you know it's cute and honestly it's super well made looks but, like, great it does look great but it just doesn't some hit. nice silent era history yeah like, yeah you know. it's like yeah this, uh, marty's keeping it like, keeping the kids in the loop about yeah the, show the, the kids cool... melier yeah shit. <laughs> yeah so I, it's like cute in that way but like yeah. i'm like did i enjoy the two hour not really i didn't rewatch it for but, like pod. shutter island is just a movie that like I, honestly i just i'm fucking bored i'm just like interesting it's just, i, I just find it boring i like again like ben kingsley like coming in the room like this is what we're doing i i just mm-hmm. feel like he's super corny and like i don't know I, nothing about it speaks to me i agree that it's corny i think i just like that stuff sure. more maybe sure another thing i love about it is how like weirdly artificial it is like there's Dude, like so artificial there's bad green screen and Dude. like cg throughout where it's like this is like poorly rotoscoped maybe i need to rewatch it because I, like I think you should give because it i try. remember thinking it like it doesn't look very good but like but i will say there's like bad cgi that looks good and then yeah. there's just like cgi that looks bad that's still bad like like for example the aviator yeah i think it looks really good in a bad way but it Doesn't digests yeah. badly to me like sure i, 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 I agree with i don't think like the 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 fucking what is it like um great gatsby ass like yeah. like kind of vibes like those never have resonated with me like i like the aviator but like there's right. just sequences like in that where like the cg is like definitely good but like it's like a weird I didn't like it almost. Yeah, yeah, I just didn't like it. And I felt the same way about Shutter Island, where it's like, yeah, it's bad good, but I don't like that bad good. Right, but there is bad good that I do like because <laughs> like, I definitely like Shutter Island's bad good, <laughs> and it definitely works for me. But uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much what I got. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Thanks for for listening to our little uh, session, and hopefully this inspired you to revisit some of the 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 great films that we talked about today. And he's, uh, he's pretty good, Scorsese. Yeah, I he's think a pretty good guy. He's pretty good. He's a pretty good guy, and deserves our respect and our money. So keep supporting Absolutely. this man. Go see Killers of the Flower Moon on the twentieth. I think also we can maybe because 
We did this with Nolan, too. We did our episode before Oppenheimer came out, and we'll talk about both Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon in our year-end wrap-up, regardless of if they're on our list or not. Totally. We'll say how we feel about them right now. That's a great idea. I'm sure you can guess, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about those at the end of the year. Yeah, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next next week. I've been Jerry Hartman. And I've been Sammy Holty. Thanks for listening.